It is time that we do something new. Joe Ovius and Joe Gillian. But it is something new. I mean, doing something old, but we're bringing it back, so it's basically new. Here we go. Let's podcast inside the Eford Studios, Empire Properties. I'm Joe Ovius. That's Joe Gillio. Hi, I can actually see you in person for once. Right across from each other. Look at this. Look at us. Who would have thought, right? Yeah, so uh, as if you've been along with this journey as we're going into this whole podcast venture, we have been uh, doing it from home. My home, Gilio's home, through the magic of StreamYard uh, and you know, making do with super echoey home offices and various other things. Uh, but we've been working towards a studio space. Now, if you've been following us on social media, you'll see some photos of us uh, you know, in the studio space and everything else. It might sound a little too echoey. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can you can see some of the <laughs> measures that we've we've put while well, Gilio has put in place here. Like I got some I got some Halloween blanket behind me. You've got like seriously, how old is this kid's blanket that you got behind you? That's from James's first bed. <laughs> Actual bed, big boy bed. Oh, the first big boy bed? Yeah. You know what's funny is right, it's trains and cars and planes and all the stuff that kids like. Yeah. You know, and who doesn't like trains and cars and fire dump trucks, trucks. And dump trucks? Yeah. I don't know. There's always something. <laughs> there was a book that Caleb had that was nothing but um, it was just construction vehicles. Mm-hmm. And it was like these large the backhoe loader illustrations of construction vehicles. And he was obsessed with that book because I guess when you're young, those things are cool. I mean, what was priceless entertainment than on trash day watching the dump truck, the, the trash truck come through? Pick up your trash and keep it moving. Delightful. Simple joys in life, Joe. The simple joys in life. Kind of like the simple joys of finally being in a studio space together, which is always uh, always good. You you adjusting your lighting there? I did. I forgot our other lamps because I remember we said we were going to bring some lamps for the corner. But yeah, we need some more ambient lighting in this place. Right now, it looks very... It's a little bit of a long weekend. I'm not going not gonna to lie to you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still recovering from said long weekend. Okay. <laughs> It was Brian Lowe's 40th party. I might yeah. have got a little too hard in the paint. Sometimes you have to go hard in the paint, though. Do I, though? And then deal Maybe with... Maybe not that hard. And then deal with the anxiety <laughs> after the fact, Joe? Yeah. I don't know if you need to go that hard Yeah, at yeah. this point. I, I definitely had a lot of... Um, some moments where I'm like, you know, I'm a grown-ass man. I probably shouldn't be doing that anymore. What do they do when you're 20? Even 30. Even 30. <laughs> Maybe even 40. Uh, well, if you're celebrating 40, I'm trying to think. Uh, my friend and I, Brian... Because uh, his birthday is around the same time, and we all celebrated our 30th birthdays together. You know, me, Kelly, Brian, and uh, we ended up at the old. It was the rebranded Fosters in what is now called Village District. Yeah, you, you remember the original Fosters, right? Yes, like the two story Thursday night, man. Yeah, man, it was a place. No, you know exactly what I'm talking <laughs> about. So we had like a big, you know, let's get all the people that we know together, kind of thing, kind of like how Brownlow's party was on Saturday, and. I think the night ended with Brian and I throwing up in my front yard after we had the brilliant idea of getting cookout shakes. Yard is okay. Yeah, yard is okay. Street is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we should probably move on. Speaking of adults, speaking of being adult behavior, we can actually we can actually start here. It seems as though the Carolina Panthers are being run by adults now, which is Kind of nice. Refreshing. It's very refreshing. (laughs) When we last left you in our last show on Thursday, the Panthers were wrapping up their last round of OTAs. And they went ahead and they announced that 
Bryce Young, their number one pick in the draft, the guy that they moved up to get in a big splashy trade. They decided to elevate him to QB one. That doesn't mean that he's the starter yet, but they want to, I know you're, you're already rolling your eyes, but, but hear me out. Hear me out on this. They just said, yeah, look, this was the plan. Get him in, see how he's acclimated, get him to know the wide receivers, get him to work with Andy Dalton, who they acquired this offseason, to be like the mentor backup situation. But they're not playing any games. There's like, yeah, we're here. He's QB1, and that's the plan going into training camp. And my guess is that, yes, they're going to go ahead and start him week one of the NFL season, but they're not being dumb about yeah. it. They're not trying to create a fake competition, which I'm. there's a deeper discussion about this. That I don't want to like give him too much credit, but it is refreshing, Joe. No, no, no. It's refreshing no, to no, see no. adult by being run by adults. We have to give them credit because we have two recent examples of this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You had Trevor Lawrence, number one overall pick, and the disaster that was Urban Meyer, NFL coach. Mm-hmm. And he tried to tell us, oh, yeah, Gar- Gar- Gardner Minshew, <laughs> this is an equal competition. <laughs> He's got a chance. Yeah. We're not giving, you know, it's this old football league, coach football league, football nonsense. Yeah. Every every man for himself who's got a chance to compete. We're going to compete. And no, you, you didn't get Trevor Lawrence for him to watch Gardner Minshew take a hammer to his hand to get out of ECU. That's not something that happened. You got Trevor Lawrence to be the, the future of your team and to be your starting quarterback. That's what you did. That was the Jaguars. We know how that season went. We also know that Trevor Lawrence was their starter, still is their starter, mm-hmm. right? Now let's go to the Panthers last year. Where or even two, let's go for the last two years of Matt Rule. Yeah, it's the last two. Years. All right, you had well, we got Sam Darnold, we got Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. They're going to compete, and everyone's going to get reps with the first team, and and we're going to we're going to evaluate every snap in practice. We're going to evaluate every throw. We're going to study what they do in the film room, and then we're going to make a decision. No. No, Sam Darnold was going to be your starter of the year. Sam Darnold was your starter, okay? And then last year it was, well, now we got Sam Darnold. We got Baker Mayfield, but he's got to pick up the offense. Mm -hmm. And we're giving Sam Darnold every chance that we could possibly give. We're making sure that Baker wins the job. And it was, like, fairly obvious on the opening drive of their first preseason game with Baker Mayfield, the quarterback, that he was the quarterback. Again, don't fool around. Don't play games. But you and I have talked about this before. What you do by doing that is you hurt yourself. Because in the preseason, that's the time to get ready for the season. Unless you have Aaron Rodgers in year 20 on your contract and knows your offense inside and out, you need to use the preseason to get your team ready to play in the season. Yeah, The Panthers did not do that last year and had no one to blame but themselves after a poor start and it ultimately did cost Matt Rule his job. So for Frank Reich, after one OTA to come in here and be like, all right, we got Andy Dalton, but yeah. we got him for a reason. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the QB in a glass. In case of emergency, you shatter a glass, you put him in, and you use him. Hmm. He is not your franchise. He is not your QB one. The guy you ostensibly traded Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore for, that is your QB one. So get him ready to go from the jump and get him as most prepared as you possibly can to be ready, and that includes using him in the preseason. Now, this is where I wanted to get to. Let's not go overboard and praise Frank Reich and the coaching staff yet. They haven't even played a game yet. Sure. Okay. And some of these uh, decisions, including Bryce Young, might not pay off. But the point here is that at least they're trying to put him in the best position possible to succeed. That's all you can ask. And the two examples that you just gave, Matt Rule, Urban Meyer, what do they have in common? 
Both fired, both gone. We'll never work in the NFL ever again. NFL. That's the key part. They took risk on college guys. There's a deeper conversation to be had about how the college aesthetic, which you can get handsomely paid. Yeah. Just ask Matt Rule, who's getting paid a hell of a lot of money to coach Still. Nebraska. And, and this and, look, well, and, the, and the Panthers, too. Yeah the, yeah, the Panthers, too. So, look, I don't want to make this a, a situation where we clown the Matt Rule era more. Everything that needed to be said about think, the Matt Rule era. I think it's applicable, though. It, but, but this applies. And it shows you, once again, that we've got to the point in the NFL where NFL coaches come up through the NFL. Adults run the room. How you deal with adults in the room, too. These are grown men making millions of dollars. And you have to approach them differently. And dropping Jay-Z quotes about it takes seven years to become an overnight sensation isn't necessarily going to play. There's no way of the Panther book. Like I got way of the OG no, here. Don't forget last year, Matt rule treated Sam Darnold. Like he was going to transfer if he didn't name him this on, is true, on, the, on the initial this depth is true, chart. Too. Right. And, and like then, he had no clue what he was doing. And same with urban Meyer, right? Urban Meyer. It'll never, it'll, I will never forget the on mic moment that they caught urban Meyer talking about, man, every week I'm playing Georgia, <laughs> right? They got this is like Alabama. I, I got to play Alabama every week. Yeah, dude. It's the NFL. The margin for error. Who's really that Aaron Donald thin? guy? Man, what a, what a concept. <laughs> that 99 is pretty good. So when you go in, when you go in as a college coach and you think you can out scheme somebody or you can out talent somebody, you are going to be sorely mistaken. And we saw that with Matt Rule and Urban Meyer. So during the process of who was going to replace Matt Rule, what do we keep coming back to? Typically, with NFL hiring cycles, after you've gone with the young guy, sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But if it doesn't work out, the immediate reaction is to go in the opposite direction yes. and put yourself with veteran coaches who have been doing this for a long time that add a little bit of stability. Colleges and all that different. Like we can use NC State as a prime example of this. They went from boring Michael Kane to flashy Chuck Amato. It worked for a little bit. When Chuck Amato started to lose, he started to lose some of the flashiness. A lot of people don't remember that. And then they hired the freaking Marine. The icy commander himself. The icy commander himself, Mr. Sniff, to replace him, right? That's how that work. And then he was old. He was too, you know, constrained. He was a Marine. What do they hire in his place in Dave Dorn? The young up-and-coming coach that was going to be built on recruiting and modernizing the program. Alabama type recruiting. Exactly. Never forget that. Yeah, saying that. So there, there's a cycle to these things. We saw this with North Carolina football as well. Okay. They, as they kind of... Went through the wilderness of coaching. It went from, all right, we're going to get serious about football. What'd they do? They hired Butch Davis, right? Well, then, okay, well, we got to modernize. What would they do after that? Larry Fedora. Larry Fedora didn't work out. What'd they do? They brought in the CEO in Mac Brown, which, again, the results may vary on what you do. So they get to Frank Wright. They put this all-star coaching, veteran coaching staff together. And we're already starting to see the dividends pay off in how they've approached the draft, who they drafted, and how they're going about preparing their number one pick in the draft to succeed. And so far, I know you like making fun of OTAs and all the stuff that comes out of it. And look at this deep ball, seven on seven, man. This is amazing. What, the fifth what string tight end just made the most amazing one-handed catch I've ever seen. Like if he, if he comes on, he's going to be an X factor this season. All those things still apply, but I'm not going to sit here and kind of poo-poo what we're seeing with the Panthers. It's It leads me to be optimistic for the Panthers sure. because here's the thing. If Bryce Young, the, the lottery scratch-off, as you like to call him, pays off, and the moves they made at wide receiver and at running back, and we know what they're capable of defensively if their cornerbacks can stay healthy because J.C. Horn, 
I guess, hurt himself even before he showed up, which that's another topic altogether. This division can be had. Oh, yeah. The division can be had. I'm not saying they're going to win the division. I'm simply saying, hey, man, New Orleans is still kind of figuring it out. They got they got Derek Carr to be their upgrade at QB. Tampa's in the wilderness. I don't know what's going on with Tampa. And Atlanta is still in a rebuild mode. So the Panthers are in position to compete for that division. And it would not surprise me if they end up winning it. Hell, they almost won it last year if it wasn't for some defensive breakdowns. You say, let's not give them too much credit. But I, I want to say this. If there's five steps in a process, right? Yeah. You can't screw up the first three steps and then magically think you're going to get to the fourth step and get it right. Sure. And, and that's where I think the Panthers got it wrong under Matt Rule. And you said you can't out-scheme, you can't out-talent people in the NFL. You can scheme your team up, but you know what you can't do, Joe? You can't do the JV cross-country out-motivate yeah, yeah. the other team in the NFL, Yeah, right? The, the Jay-Z quotes, the, the way of the Panthers shtick, sure. you know, the, the, the nonsense that this guy thought, you know, it was kindergarten and he was going to be the most disciplined one and, and outwork everybody. You know, that's one of my, that's one of my least favorite things about fans in general, mm-hmm. when they say, Oh, but you should really like player X. They work really hard or you should really like coach X because he works really hard. I've got really bad news for you. Everyone works hard in right. professional sports. Right. If you don't, you would not have gotten to the top 1% of your profession. Okay. So you have to differentiate in another way. Hard work is not the answer. Everyone works hard. It gets back to that scheme. It also gets back to doing all of those steps correctly. So while you're all right, we should not dump the Gatorade yet for the 2023 Carolina Panthers. We should celebrate the steps that they get correctly each step of the way. And so far, every step under Frank Reich has been the right step. Well, as we mentioned, uh, we're in uh, the studio space now. And from here on out, we'll try to get things better. I still have to work on camera placing. Okay. I don't know. It's day one, man. It's day one. We'll work on camera placing and we lighting, got lighting and everything coming. else. We got, we got some things we'll work on. I we'll, did, get I, we'll probably have to lower the lights a little bit, bring some lamps for the corner. I got the, I brought the lava lamps uh, to set the vibe too. Um, but I don't know how much lighting that's actually going to provide in the grand scheme of things, but we'll work with that too. Uh, and I know Ethan is going to help us with the lighting eventually and get things a little bit more uh, professional. Can we bring a grill in here though? I don't, Think that would meet fire code. We can cook outside, go to the butcher's market, get the meat, cook outside, then have a little picnic in here. We could do that. We got blankets. (laughs) Well, do we have room for a coffee machine? We need one of those too. Yeah, we do need a coffee machine. It feels like an expense write off. (laughs) You're all about the expenses. I know that. You're all about the write offs right now. But yeah, I don't think we can bring a grill in here. We can't bring like one of those uh, those blacktop cooktops or whatever, or my Weber grill. That would be against building violation. That would be a code violation. But that doesn't stop you from going to the butcher's market and getting some good stuff. The signature steak tips are always on point. But never forget that butcher's market also has a lot of prepared sides, too. So you can get all your meats, but their mac and cheese is on point. They've got this pesto uh, pasta salad that's really, really good, too. And all that stuff is over in the refrigerated section. So I highly recommend that you all go check that out. And shout out to Breeze Through. And uh, with Breeze Through, they have multiple locations. I know we typically talk about the one over by PNC Arena, but you, did you know they had one by Walnut Creek? I did know that. They have one by Walnut Creek, meeting with all the summer shows that are coming through, and there's a ton of them. Uh, I know the dead just came through and everything else. You can drop on by there to get some last-minute goods, 
before you hit the tailgate uh, before the show. So hit the breeze through. I've got 17 locations. 17. 17 locations across uh, the area. So you're going to find one, all right? Carry Apex, Smithfield, and of course, how could you ever leave out Garner? Why do you ever leave out Garner? I leave you. I leave <sighs> you to talk about Garner. That's why. Yeah. Breezer's got you covered no matter where your summer plans take you. Move on. All right. Tonight, we've got game five of the NBA finals between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. I told you this was going to be a gentleman's sweep after they won game two on the road. Surprising. The one thing they did in game two, Joe, that they have not been able to replicate is hit threes. They got to hit threes. If you ain't hit threes, it don't matter for the Miami Heat. And look, in game four on what, Friday night, the Heat did a decent enough job defensively making it difficult for the Nuggets to get their shots. They had to work for that double-digit win. But you can't, you can't play that kind of defense and then not follow it up without a spectacular Jimmy Butler game, which he, he kind of had an okay game. Uh, you can't put in that defensive work and then let the other role players step up and hit big shots uh, like they did. Because it's funny, it's not like the Denver Nuggets were overall spectacular, right? Jokic was relatively quiet. Jamal Murray, didn't, they didn't back up their 30-20-10 uh, showing from game four. Uh, and well, Michael Porter also has been relatively quiet. But they had some other role players stepping up. But all of this is all dressing on what's going on with the Miami Heat versus Denver Nuggets. It's the Nuggets time. The Heat had an incredible run to get here as the eighth seed coming out of the playing game. And you're coming to find out why they were able to get to this point. It was hitting shots. And not to oversimplify, we'll go Sidney Lowe, the greatest philosopher in basketball history. You got to make shots. They're not doing it. And that's why the Heat are probably going to get beat tonight. The Heat did it again, though, in the fourth quarter of game four. Yeah. They made a run. They They opened the quarter. And then Jamal Murray bangs a three. I think Murray is... Jokic... Obviously, two-time MVP. It was a wonky deal at the end of the regular season that cost him the MVP for the third straight year because it's almost like, well, people don't believe he's as good as he really is. And part of that has been the lack of success in the postseason. But Murray coming off of the ACL, it's now a full year. He's he's back exactly where he was in the bubble. And, he, and he's actually maybe even a little bit better as a playmaker mm-hmm. than from what we've seen earlier in his career. He, he's stepping up in the biggest possible moments for the Denver Nuggets because Jokic had five fouls in that fourth quarter. Miami's making their run. Malone says, you know what? I, I can hold this off. I can hold this off because Murray kept Jokic on the bench, kept him on the bench. Teammates picked him up. Aaron Gordon um, having some kind of series as well. It, look, Denver was one of the best teams in the NBA during the regular season over the, the, the body of work. And they've shown now in the playoffs that that was no fluke and that Jokic is really difficult, even though Miami has Bam Adebayo, has one of, is one of the few teams to equipped to guard Jokic. Um, he's just a little bit too creative. And, you know, Denver picking up in the slack there in the fourth quarter when Miami has been at their most dangerous. And I think that's the most impressive thing. If you're Denver, Miami was able against Milwaukee. They were able against Boston to just never die, to Mm -hmm. stay alive in that fourth quarter. And Denver has been able to withstand, save for game two. They've been able to withstand the fourth quarter push from the, from the cockroaches down to Miami. I'm, I'm holding off on where we go from here and the Denver Nuggets based on what happens tonight. If if they win tonight, um, I mean, I think they're going to win the series ultimately, Mm -hmm. but I do wonder how 
this is going to be processed when the Nuggets win a championship for a variety of reasons. One, it's not a big market. So the NBA is obsessed with markets in the same way that the NHL seems, well, at least NFL media or NHL media seems to be obsessed with markets. Never mind that the Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers have actually been providing pretty good ratings, all things considered, after all the consternation about, well, it's not an original six team. Who's going to watch this? It turns out plenty of people are watching these things. So there's going to be this existential crisis about a small market team like Denver, even though Denver's a big market, but in terms of what people view as brand teams winning a championship. And then there's going to be the conversation around Jokic, right? Two-time MVP. He's going to have a championship that goes with it. And I saw this discussed last week with JJ Redick and Gilbert Arenas and some of the NBA Twitter stuff that I follow about, is this like a passing of a torch into a different era of the NBA, right? LeBron James is on the tail end of his career and he's already openly talking about when is it going to be up for him now? I think he understands. I think we all understand he wants to play with Bronny, right? But we can see the, we can see the exit for LeBron James in that era. And you wonder, we didn't talk about this last week, but the Golden State Warriors are going to go through a change here soon. Uh, their longtime GM is done. Looks like he might take a job with ESPN. And you wonder just how much longer the Steph Curry core is going to be able to work itself out, right? So you've got these two superstars. Katie is hurt all the time. You know, James Harden's not really fun to watch. You know, Joel Embiid is... In Phil- I mean, there's other names that people kind of get with, but those huge, huge stars that are out there, you know, trying to win championships look like they're in the tail end of their careers. So it gets you to Jokic. Is he the next quote unquote superstar? The problem is he doesn't want to be a superstar. He's not interested in being a superstar. And we're not equipped to talk about guys like that when they don't want to be superstars. Jokic, based on my limited knowledge of this guy, looks like he just enjoys playing basketball and he's kind of nondescript about it. And people don't know how to process that because we're so used to guys talking about legacies and championships and who's clutch and who's that. Here comes a dude who's just putting up numbers and is doing it in a way that doesn't really attract that kind of attention. I also think the NBA and it, I get what you're saying about the larger conversation about where the NBA goes from here. Yeah. Right. I think the truth of the matter is with the NBA, we've seen dynasties and the, the Lakers, the, the Celtics, mm-hmm the Spurs and we, we are then programmed in the LeBron era to default to, well, who, which one, where is LeBron's team? Right. Cause we know that they're going to be contenders, but if you think about it, we've seen so far one-off champions from Toronto. We've seen one-off champions mm-hmm. from Milwaukee. Yeah. I totally forgot about Kawhi right? Leonard. And, and then I think you, what you'll see is some more of those one-off situations because a, it's really hard to win multiple titles. Yes. But also in this era, it's hard to keep groups together for multiple titles. I think the Warriors will be the last such group, but you'll see more of the LeBron type movement of a superstar. They'll go somewhere. They'll get their chance to win it. Like, do you think Milwaukee will win another? I do. Uh, I don't think Toronto or Kawhi will ever win another. I don't think Kawhi obviously was with Toronto, with Toronto. but now he's yeah, LA. I don't think he'll ever win another because no, he already that. had his with San Antonio too. Remember? Plus he's hurt. Plus he's always hurt. He's always hurt. So I think like Embiid will have a shot at one. Tatum's going to have a shot at one. But I don't think this. I don't think we're going to see another Golden State anytime soon, where you have a team winning four over a period of time, where you're like, oh, okay, well they're definitely going to be there next year. 
If you were to tell me the Suns would be there next year with Booker and Durant, I'd say, sure, I could, I could see that. The Celtics or the Sixers, I could see all of those things just as we could at the beginning of these playoffs. Hmm. And don't forget, even though the, the Nuggets beat the Lakers, to me, that was the team that gave them the most problems. And that's why you always have to be wary of LeBron. Next topic, please. So uh, I ended up getting a tweet from a fellow media member and he stumbled upon some 1991 World League of American Football pro set cards like in the box. It was like the whole inaugural season thing, right? Yeah. And I immediately told him, dude, you got to get that to Oak City Sports Cards. Let's get that thing graded. I'm curious. They're completely worthless, and that's okay. What? What do you mean they're completely worthless? Don't tell me they're completely worthless. You mean that you wanted that Scott Mitchell Orlando Thunder rookie Come card? On, hold on. Let me let me let me go ahead. Let me let me pull this up on. Uh, let me pull this up on the on the Twitter machine. Well, you here. can pull it up, but I can promise you, anything that's pro set is completely worthless. That doesn't mean you can have it. Can't find value in them. But if you're trying to find real value in cards, Weston Oak City cards. Downtown Raleigh, go check them out. Get your he'll buy, sell, trade. More importantly, get your cards graded. Get maximum value for those cards. Yeah, this is from uh, Matt, uh, who's over at XDU. I see him at uh, Duke basketball games, and yeah, it's the complete 150 card set, which includes real rookie cards, World Bowl stat leaders, <laughs> ten helmet collectibles. He's got the uh, he busted out the Clarkston Hines wide receiver, Raleigh Durham Skyhawks. I mean, you're telling me this is not worth anything? Nothing. Whatever your sentimental value is, though, of course, that's what matters. Oh, that's a valid point. That's a valid point. And the value you give it to yourself, that's the important part. You know, what does it mean for you? Anyway, get on over to Oak City Sports Cards. Also, give Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority a call. Um, it's yet another kind of weird, dreary, moist kind of a day, at least on a Monday. And all this stuff does not help when it comes to breeding of mosquitoes. And you want to enjoy your time outside. Well, Contact Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority. I use Mosquito Authority to come out once a month. They got the, uh, you know, they got the, uh, the 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 leaf blower machine thing that kind of puts the mosquito stuff out there, and it's like it's safe for everybody. It's all good, but it's kind of funny to see. I, one of these days, I want to take a backpack blower and just do it myself, just see what it's like. Like it's like a video game, you know. It's like playing Splatoon. Like how much can I cover? <laughs> uh, but yeah, they also got Pest Authority too. It's not just for mosquitoes. Pest Authority can also take care of all sorts of vermin, like Gilio's had to deal with. Yeah, bugsbite.com. Find them on Twitter, no mosquito, and see that phone number if you want to do it the old way. 919-807-1951. Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority, Hayes Lancaster and his crew will always take great care of you. It's bugsbite.com. Did you watch any of the Canadian Open? I did. Of course I did. Was that a 72-foot putt? Was that? It was a monster. (laughs) It was was a crazy putt, right? Yes. So, And a Canadian won it. Yes, Nick Taylor, first Canadian in a, in a, a long time to win the Canadian <laughs> Open. Yeah, I guess that's the part that has people uh, all worked up is the fact that a Canadian actually won the Canadian Open. Uh, it's not all that crazy when a, an American wins the U.S. Open, but that's that's neither here nor there. But the real story that came out of the Canadian Open is Adam Hadwin getting decked by a security guard. Yeah, he had the champagne. He's running on the green, and they thought he was a regular person. Yeah. They didn't know he was a PGA pro. <laughs> they hammered him. So here's the uh, here's here's the video, if you're watching on YouTube, and this will repeat itself. So he's coming out there with the champagne, and look, all, all the football people have just eaten this up because they want to see, like, come on, rate this guy's tackle. 
uh, it was a pretty good form, right? Wrapped them up, brought them to the ground. Uh, and like, again, but there's other people, here's my question. And here's the, here's another angle to it as well. This is actually from the RBC Canadian open Twitter account that actually has some other, um, like it's, 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 it's an angle in which you see the security guard coming straight on for Hadwin and what Taylor's caddy notices what happens and he starts immediately yelling at the security guard being like, Hey man, like, what are you doing? Like, we know that guy, but here's my question. Why Hadwin? There's a bunch of people on the green. Why Hadwin? Maybe his instinct was he saw that he had something in it. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like he sees the person running after him. Also, he's he's wearing the hoodie, right? Yeah. See, I think that's part of it. Like hoodies are becoming more normalized in golf. Yeah. But when you see a hoodie as a non-golf person, <laughs> would you think that's a golfer? Uh, no, probably not. I would not. So think that. maybe that's what the security guard was seeing. The hoodie was seeing an object. Didn't know what it was. Yeah. Maybe the guy was rushing. I don't know. There's any number of things. There's any, but it's also Canada. Like, a, like, aren't they supposed to be the nice ones? <laughs> well, and you're getting decked. <laughs> Apparently, Someone had tells it. me the security guard wasn't Canadian. Probably not. <laughs> and uh, I believe I forgot who it was. That um, I don't know if it was Hadwin or I saw a report from a golf reporter saying that in typical can- Canadian fashion he apologized to the security guard. Hadwin did. Yeah, Hadwin for getting decked. Yes, it, not that he got decked. Right. That. He's apologizing that he put himself in a situation where he was going to get decked. So you got uh, you got that going. And then yeah, Hadwin, 69 years. First time in 69 years, a Canadian golfer has won the Canadian Open. Jeez. It's not like there aren't Canadian golfers. There are good Canadian golfers. Yeah. Is that like a Canadian golf curse that's been broken? There you go. Okay, maybe that's the case. Maybe and, and England can and, win the World Cup now. NC State can win the ACC. Hadwin, Hadwin had tweeted out, put it in the Louvre, and it was a, a still shot of him just getting decked <laughs> with, uh, with the champagne flying and everything else. But here's the thing. I bring this up because I feel like there was a rash of physical incidents going into the weekend. So you, okay. had, you had this with Hadwin. All right. Let's go back to Friday where Bernie... The Miami Heat mascot. Oh my gosh! Was in some sort Who of promotion. That bad idea. Well, uh, great question. Great question. So there was a. Um, let's see if I can. If I can. This is on. Yeah, front office sports. As I'm trying to pull this up on Twitter here. So there was a thing that was taking place with uh, Conor McGregor, mm-hmm. and he's got he's a, got a promotion. He's got some sort of promotion for like a healing spray. Right. All right. So Bernie comes out like it's Tuesday night against the Trailblazers or something like that. Buddy, this is the NBA finals. What? what who, who cooked this up? I don't know. I don't know. So McGregor is out there like in a velour suit. Bernie's out there with boxing gloves. Oh, Obviously in a mascot outfit. In his outfit. And the, the, the point of the promotion was McGregor would hit him. He would drop. And then they'd hit him with the spray. And then he'd be fine. But. He apparently hit him too well. Yeah. Hit, him, hit him right in the head and not enough. Pa- I, I thought there would be more padding in a mascot head. Have you ever had a mascot head on? Yes, but also like Connor, there's such a thing as pulling punches. Like Mike Tyson made a career <laughs> out of this in the WWF. Like the first shot was hard, obviously. Then the second one was like, that was total MMA. Yes. The one part about the MMA I hate when they don't stop those fights when yeah. the guy's on the ground and it's like, all right, you knocked him to the ground like for a reason. And they're literally dragging him, literally dragging yeah. him off the floor. Now he spent the night in the hospital. 
Apparently he's okay. And he was back in action after that. So, um, yeah, man, I don't know. Then we get to John Sterling. Yankees play by play. You're familiar with John Sterling. You're you're familiar with John Sterling. Yeah. So John Sterling, you know, he's like, there's an A-bomb. A-bomb. I'm still, I'm still learning some we've, as we've changed, bear with me. Yeah. We've changed some things around because I was operating all the things that we needed to operate from my home computer. I'm now doing this through the laptop into the roadcaster and there's all sorts of audio that comes through. So John Sterling, it was what last night or the day before, I think it was. So John Sterling, WFAN has a Sterling cam. Yes. Which is great. So, you know, it's for social media purposes and everything else. So here's how this all played out. Now the three-two swung on a pop foul back here. Ow! Ow! It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. So once again, it'll be a three-two, and Holmes ready to deal. A ground ball to third. Donaldson squares, throws to first in time. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees. He's he's, he's a tough old man. You could tell if you're watching the video, you could tell that he was clearly powering through a headache from getting knocked in the forehead by a pretty square. It did catch a pretty square. And I don't know. Maybe he thought, because you're right. When you watch the video, he's He's clearly looking at the ball. He's looking at the ball. (laughs) And I guess he thought, ah, it's not going to get in here or it's going to bounce differently. Not a spring chicken. And no, I mean, I don't look, man. I'm I'm so wired. Um, Now, this doesn't happen at State or Carolina anymore, but like at Cameron Indoor Stadium. I very oh, much ready. stay ready yeah. at all times. Um, and I don't know. I, I think I've perfected the art of being able to look at my my uh, my phone, tweeting something out, and also kind of keeping an eye on the periphery if something's coming my way. And then you got to, like, you know, pop up and, and, and do that. Now, I've not had somebody land on me. I don't want to go Brett Friedlander here and have Lenovo give me a, f- a free computer. But one of the, one of the scarier moments, you remember Nigel Dixon? Old FSU. Big pass- dude. Yeah, big jelly. Yeah, big jelly. Nigel Dixon played for Florida State. I forgot what years these were. There's like 03, 04 time frame, I think. It was around that time, early 2000s. And this is back when at PNC Arena, like everybody was sitting on the floor. Mm-hmm. The good old days, Joe. Mm. The good old <laughs> days. And big jelly had momentum underneath the basket where I was sitting and lifted the table up to stop his momentum. Needless to say, I was a little frightened in that situation. So I went back with the table. But I've never had I've never had a player crash into me at a basketball game. That's never happened. I've had Roger Ayers get mushed into the table in front of me. Yeah. I'm convinced he got a concussion. Finished the game though. Mm-hmm. But I've never had somebody fall actually onto obviously the balls come flying that but that's not a baseball though no that's a different set of reflexes no the confusing part again to me is he has eyes on the ball it's not like it completely caught him off guard like no i don't understand like he lapsed <laughs> you gotta stay ready you can't be you can't spot that thing and then fall asleep until it's until you know the situation is clear <laughs> fair enough fair enough so john sterling Tough old bird. Godspeed, man. Y- you completed the job. We're moving on. One other thing from last week that I also found interesting was from SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Greg Sankey was on Capitol Hill along with other uh, ADs and, and commissioners 
uh, for some sort of NIL summit. Okay, cool. Whatever. We can, we, we've had this, we've had this conversation it's about too early. name, too image, early. and likeness. <laughs> don't and, do this to me. And it's a good day for me. I understand. I understand. I understand. <laughs> don't do this to They me. want, they want the guardrails. They want all these things in place. I, I, I get all that. I get all that. But the part that cracked me up was that Sankey was taking shots at other commissioners, including the new big 12 commissioner when it was related to expansion that now this is this this follows up the last couple of weeks of Greg Sankey media availabilities or his quotes in that they're not interested in expanding anymore now that they've got Texas and Oklahoma. They can barely get agreement on how to schedule now with Baylor and with uh, with Texas and Oklahoma. And they're going to have a trial basis eight game conference schedule for 2024-2025. When you know Greg Sankey's <laughs> been on record saying we got to play nine games because that's what TV ultimately is going to want. But the part that cracked me up last week was that he's at this NIL summit or this Washington summit to talk about the future of college sports. And he's like, yeah, well, we don't openly talk about what we're going to do in reference to the fact that the big 12 is like, we're not done or we're looking, we're exploring the PAC 12 finds itself in that situation too. That TV deal, which may or may not happen in the near future could set forward further conference realignment actions if they don't get the kind of TV deal they expect. Same with the Big 12. But I I guess when you are the SEC, when you are from a position of power, when you really do call the shots with how things are going, I guess you can talk that talk. I'm at the point where I'm almost, I'm just resigned to just nod my head. I'm like, all right, Greg, whatever you say. Well, this is the one where he popped off and said, oh, I I didn't, I didn't run the playoff expansion committee for the specific purpose of knowing that I was going to expand. Oh no. And it was like, no. why do you think we're dumb? I'm, I'm giving you credit for being smart and thinking a step ahead. Yeah. Just give us just a smidge of credit. Just give us just a smidge because we're not dumb. We're probably not as smart as you are, No, but we're also not dumb. Uh, maybe, maybe I feel, maybe it's like a, is it like an honor amongst thieves type thing? Where all yeah. these administrators, all these administrators will all say that's, that's well put because they are all thieves. They're, yes, yeah. it's an honor amongst <laughs> thieves things where it's like I understand and you understand that we're in it for our each other, like our own motivation, our own goals, and we can say all the right things. Oh no, you're going to put this guy on the committee, and we're going to, you know, we're we're not going to like we're going to we're going to put up a, a good front it's all about the betterment of the college game we're going to do everything opportunity yeah all these things are going to be all good but when they leave the room and they go back to their constituents they go back to their schools they go back to their administrators they're like yeah so how are we going to screw them today we're like how are we going to be how are we how are we going to look better than everybody else and i mean look man the pandemic opened up everything if we didn't learn the lesson here in the pandemic then we're never going to learn this lesson Uh, the fact that what happened with the college football playoff being the Trojan horse for this expansion of the SEC to get Texas and Oklahoma. If you didn't see that for what it was, well, then you probably also didn't see it in the pandemic when all these administrators said, well, we all have to get on the same page. We all want, we all understand. We talk daily. We talk daily all the time about all the things that we're going to do. And what did the big 10 and go, what did they go do? They went on their own, broke the, broke the promise. the alliance. We looked each other in the eyes. Then you have the alliance. Right? I don't need a contract. We looked at each other in the eyes. And if you can't do that, if we just can't be men and, and, and honor these commitments based on our conversations and looking into their souls, well, then that really says that something is bad. Well, yeah, it's college athletics. 
It's always going to be bad. Yeah. You're always going to be doing something that helps you, not the other guy. So the fact that Greg Sankey's kind of like on this, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's, there is no way to convince Texas and Oklahoma to leave the Big 12. Okay, keeping this in mind now. Yeah. Texas and Oklahoma are two of the 10 richest schools in the country. Texas might be number one. It's Texas or Ohio State. Pick, take your pick there. Yeah. So they're not leaving the Big 12 for money. This isn't like an NC State or a Virginia Tech that if the next wave comes is going to be desperately clinging to a life raft. Yeah. Okay. These are two schools in a position of power. In the case of Oklahoma, you're also talking about a football program that regularly makes the playoff. Okay. So what does Oklahoma have to gain by joining the SEC under the current model? It would make no sense for Oklahoma to join the SEC under the current model. If you expand the playoff, though, and give them access and more money and more prestige, and let's let's be honest, Texas and Texas is motivated by something that Texas A and M has. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma is also motivated by. Wait a second, we can't beat Alabama, we can't beat LSU, we can't beat Georgia uh, under the current construct. Well, how could we beat them? Wait a second, if we were in the same league as them, maybe we maybe we could start convincing players from those states to come play for us as opposed to them coming in and stealing the players that they want. Don't ever forget the state of Texas in all of this too. The reason the SEC added Texas A&M was to get recruits out of the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. So not just LSU, because LSU obviously is always going to recruit well in Texas. Alabama with Nick Saban is going to recruit well in Texas, given his national reach. But those, those schools wanted to be, in Texas. That was the whole point of adding Texas A&M. Now yeah. I have to cough. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I have a cough button now, so we can do that. <laughs> Although, I don't know. Maybe the, uh, the cough button needs work. We need more soundproofing in here. I think that's what it is as we uh, as we figure all this stuff out. As you were saying. <clears throat> we good? We all have different motivations. Okay. Yes. Right? So for Oklahoma and Texas, there's no way you leave the Big 12 and the safety of having the access to the playoff and the, and the Big 12 title for the SEC for tougher competition mm-hmm. without knowing that there is at least a path. We've talked before about there will be a three-loss team in the playoffs. Promise you that's going to be an SEC It'll team. It'll be an SEC team, three losses. Yes. So there's 16. We're talking about a 12-team playoff, right? Mm-hmm. I think you and I are under, under agreement. Four of them on an annual basis, an average of four on an annual basis will be from the SEC. They will, yes. I think there's very little doubt about that in my mind. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And the ACC will be lucky to get two on average. Definitely one, obviously. But well, I think the Big Ten will get two every year. Two, okay. That's six. Notre Dame, as long as they tie their shoes, get in. They should be fine. That's seven. You're mm-hmm. guaranteed the group of five, mm-hmm. best one. Mm-hmm. That's eight. Mm-hmm. So you got you basically have four at-large spots, right? Yeah. Not even because the Pac-12 under the current deal. It would be the top six... Yeah, it's the top six conferences. Yeah, it's the top six conferences plus the... Well, it's, no, the, it's, it's top six. That's right. It's just the top the six. six highest rated conference champions. So there's six. Notre Dame, if they tie their shoes, that's seven. seven. So now you're talking about five at-large spots. Mm-hmm. We're, we're saying three of those are going to go to the SEC. Easily. That's what we're saying. And I think Easily. one of them goes to the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. So that leaves one at-large spot for either a second SEC team. I'm excuse me, for a second ACC team. Maybe another Pac-12 team, maybe another Big 12 team. Maybe there's another American athletic team. You know, like a couple of years ago, we saw BYU and Coastal Carolina get together. Well, why? 
well, they were trying to position themselves to make the playoff. The winner of that game felt like they might have had a chance. And speaking of lessons learned from the pandemic years of college football, that to me was another one of those, all right, we understand we can do these things on the fly. We don't have to schedule out games yeah. in 20 years. <laughs> the 2044 meeting between And the, honestly, uh, group of five teams should... Look, there are, I forgot which college basketball conference it was that was trying to change up and game the system to get more teams in the NCAA tournament. Off the top of my head, I cannot remember, but there was a proposal to essentially change around their scheduling to leave flex positions at oh, the end. that was Conference USA. Was it Conference USA? Okay, yeah. thank you. And to me, I thought that was smart. Because if you're a conference that doesn't traditionally have the easy in because you're not a power five, why would you not try to find a different way to make your numbers look better? And they didn't know who was going to be good. So they waited for some data to realize which ones are the best teams in the conference. I thought it was smart. That's and smart. then had them play as many games as possible at the end of the season. Because what are we finding out with the NCAA tournament? You know, the, when, once you have the good teams have to play each other. Yes. And the bad teams are ultimately we're going to keep you out. So it's, that's what's been bothering the ACC for a while now. The good teams are fine, you know, Duke, et cetera. That they're, they're fine. Virginia, they're all fine. It was the bottom of the league that was ultimately hurting them. And, of course, losing to those teams yeah. also hurt, too. This year in particular. Yeah, very much so this, this past year. Or Clemson. So I feel like with group of five college football teams, you probably should open it up towards the end of your year going, okay, how can we better leave this state open? We're going to leave this state open <laughs> because we're confident that we're going to be in the mix. And then hopefully somebody else will be in the same position and we'll schedule it. And that way, put it on the committee to make the decision. Hey. You want this data. You want the best teams to challenge each other. Well, we just went and did it that in a way that no other conference would. Can you imagine the SEC leaving an open date for that sort of situation? No, 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 no. no. We have to play Mercer. Middle Tennessee. You know, on the second to last week of the season before we play our end of the season rivalry, rivalry games game. and things like that. Come on. Now, of course, the SEC is always going to tell you that it's all about the meat grinder of the conference and they don't have to schedule like a group of five team because, well, and that's the argument with the eight games, too, is that they feel that, I mean, Greg Sankey said this, too. It's like our current conference schedule hasn't affected us from having you know, X teams in the college football playoff. There's no argument. Somebody fell down on the job either at ESPN, yeah. probably at ESPN, because it does not include a clause that says that they have to play nine and or uh -huh. there's a financial incentive to uh -huh. play nine. So teams like Kentucky, teams like Missouri are certainly not signing up for another loss. No. Not without the financial compensation not. for that extra loss. What's up next? What's up next? Have we sold a home yet? Do we know? We are working on that home, sir. <laughs> we will sell that home. I promise you. I promise. This, is, this is important. This it is, is important. Barry Woodard at my hometown realty. Listen, myhtr.com. Go check them out. Residential, commercial. Rental, you name it, they do it. Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Selma, Atlantic Beach. Barry's actually down at the Big Rock this week. They nice. got more than 250 agents. They are experts in the home buying and selling experience. Six locations. Again, check them out. Go to myhtr.com because as Barry told me, sell a house. Let's go. Sell the house. All right. Did you say out in Atlantic Beach? Yes. Speaking of beaches, you go out to Wilmington and check out NEW, Network for Entrepreneurs in Wilmington. You can find out more at newilm.com. Jim uh, actually emailed me this morning that uh, was it Ohanify, which is a tech startup that's raising around $2.8 million. In, actually, they raised $2.8 million in capital last week. They got six open tech jobs at the beach right now. Again, 
This is one of those things that uh, Jim and what NEW are trying to establish and remind you of. I actually was reading a story the other day about how North Carolina is actually one of the easiest states to start a business. And one of the hottest markets for starting said businesses, Wilmington. So you can find out more at newilm.com. There's been a lot of startups, a lot of successful exits. And again, here's yet another company, $2.8 million in capital. They got six tech jobs open. And you can get into that network and get part of those networking events and find out more at newilm.com. And then when you start that business, holler at Whitaker Hamer, like we did. You know, we we have to we we have questions. I know you're excited, Joe, because like we actually are now like a functioning business. We are, which is great. I Shiny love it. Frame our first check. I'm excited. <laughs> Did, is it one of those things where you could take a picture and then we can frame it? You know, I think like, we just framed the check because I it was a mobile deposit. Oh, mobile up front. Yeah. And then yes, absolutely. Frame 2023, Joe. Let's go. <laughs> check out Whitaker and Hammer at wh.lawyer. Again, that's wh.lawyer. They got locations all across the state. And they can cover a lot of your legal needs. So again, that's wh.lawyer. All right, let's get to some Hey Joe questions brought to you by Oakwood Pizza Box. Check them out online at oakwoodpizzabox.com right there on Person Street. Um, you know, it's funny. One of the things that I missed about Oakwood Pizza Box in the pandemic is that they closed off the dining room because I love the vibe inside with the brick and the old school chairs and the red plastic uh, Coca-Cola cups. Mm -hmm. It's old school pizzeria, baby. I love that. Uh, So while you can order online, highly recommend that you drop on by because they got the pizza wine, Joe. The red bubbles. The red bubbles. I do love those red bubbles, although I'll probably be taking a break from bubbles here. (laughs) Probably for the best. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, probably. Probably for the best. You're be joining me on beer flavored beer. Uh, I think I'm gonna be taking a I'm gonna be taking a break from beer for a while too. Uh, my my relationship with alcohol is gonna take a little bit of a. I might just go full Cali sober here in the near okay. future. Anyway, from uh, our friend Judge Bob Orr, Duke Athletics seems to be on a hot streak in a variety of sports. How did that happen? They got knocked out by Virginia in the Super Regionals, uh, and I know that Chris Pollard, their head coach, keeps talking about they're knocking on the door. They're gonna keep getting these opportunities, and one of these days it's gonna break through. I know Virginia's coach said the same thing about Duke and the transformation of Duke's baseball program. We don't spend, we, we, we don't really spend a lot of time talking about college baseball in general until this time of the year, but there has been a complete turnaround in that program under Pollard. Now there's a relationship with our old employer over at uh, the durables. I thought of course that helps with these things, but it's nice to see Duke on this kind of streak. You see what happens with Mike Elko and Duke football, obviously basketball's continuing to roll with John Shire. So it's been nice to see. Now, wait a second. <laughs> always, always question the questioner on this one. Why is Bob mm-hmm. pointing out Duke's success? Who's oh, Carolina guy? Yeah, but why would he? <laughs> I, I've, I've actually gotten a lot of this from a lot of different people, and I have somewhat fatigue on this. But okay. I'm, I'm going to try not, and not. It's not necessarily Duke because Wake Forest also shouts to the Deeks going up. Going back to Omaha, mm-hmm. remember, for the longest time, they were the only ACC team to win the College World Series. They won it in 1955. 1955. This is their trip back to Omaha. Congratulations mm-hmm. to them. They've, yeah, they've, we'll, we'll get to that. They've been the number one team all year long. They've been great, right? Yeah, but like, So yeah. the, the question I have from like state fans in particular, or maybe even some other groups of fans, wait, why is Duke good at... Why are they good at sports? Why is Wake Forest... Little Wake Forest, like what advantage do they have? This is what I would say to you. If it's not football and if it's not men's basketball, mm-hmm. okay, I think 
you, we can understand there's there's a talent there. There is a um, a process where we're trying to get the best athletes into school, right? Yeah. Not necessarily the best students, but the best athletes. When you look at SAT scores and you look at grade point averages and you look at academic performances, obviously football and men's basketball is not at the same level academically as the other sports, like sure. all other sports, right? But if you go by what Debbie Yao used to call the boutique sports in particular, for the most part, when you look at them, field hockey, lacrosse, women's golf, you name it, you're talking about excellent students. Like the most of these, the most of these athletes are excellent mm-hmm. students. Okay. They don't need volleyball to get into Harvard the way that, you know, Aunt Becky wanted you to get into Harvard. They, they just happen to be outstanding athletes in addition to being excellent students. If you're an excellent student, where are the schools that you would be inclined to go to? Would it be NC State? Would it be Louisville? Would it be Kentucky? Would it be Tennessee? I'm, I'm naming all big state schools that are all fine institutions. Yeah. But not exactly known for their Florida State, not exactly known for their academic prowess. Yeah, yeah. You're an excellent student. Well, yeah, I want to go to Duke. I want to go to the Fuqua School of Business. I want to go to Wake Forest. I want to go to Stanford. I want to go to Northwestern. So those schools that have an academic pedigree have an advantage in non-revenue sports. Mm -hmm. Because again, also keep in mind with non-revenue sports, especially on on the men's side, not a lot of full scholarships running around. Out there. No, there's not. Okay. There's also probably more of an awareness that you're not going to be a professional soccer player, right? You're probably not going to be a professional baseball player either. No. So a lot of these players in these non-revenue sports are excellent students and are attracted to the idea of graduating from an excellent school. We've talked about Stanford before. Why does Stanford? I don't understand. Why do they have 40 national champions in the last seven years? Well, if you're not an East Coast person and you're an outstanding student, guess what? You're probably want to go to Stanford and they attract the best talent for that reason. Which gets us to our next Hey Joe question. This is from K Niner. Hey Joe, will Wake Forest win the College World Series? I mean, at this rate with their run differential, where they're mashing the ball. They're not. What? I got bad news for you. Wake Forest is not going to win the College World Series. Why not? Because you, an SEC you, you, team is going to win the College World Series. Well, they just beat an SEC team. They beat Alabama. one that fired their coach in the middle of the season. Yes, congratulations. Did, did the coach know Wake Forest was going to win the ex-coach? Did he That's put money probably on that? why he did it, right? <laughs> no, it was, hey, the, the tournament started for, for Wake Forest. They at least played an SEC team. How the heck Virginia gets there by beating Duke? We want to talk about bracket luck. Well, bracket luck is real, my friend. I, I don't, I don't, I, I understand the SEC is top dog when it comes to college baseball, but it's not the... Well, who would be second in terms of college? The baseball? ACC, the ACC, no doubt. The ACC is in that second position for for this ACC is all baseball. weather and region and yeah, it has a lot to do with it. But sometimes, and it's if you look at Wake's overall record in the last couple years under Tom Walter, the head coach, it's they've been okay. They've been okay. They they've got, been building to this for sure. They, they've been building to this, and also something we talked about with Elliot Avent, head coach at NC State. The transfer portal changes everything, and you can immediately change your your. Uh, your fortunes like that, which they seem to have done on the pitching staff. All right. I think that's probably the most underrated portion of this because I dabbled in watching some more college world series stuff this weekend, including the wake forest, Alabama game. Now the game that they won on Saturday against Alabama was a little tighter. Yeah. But that's again, gets back to my point about pitching because those games will get away from you in real yes. quick. I was watching the, I was watching the, uh, the Southern miss Tennessee, uh, Tennessee game. 
And like in one inning, boom, six runs, just like that. Like it just, that's college baseball for you. So in a way, Wake's got the two things going for him. They can mash the ball in the middle of their lineup and they have pretty decent pitching from what I can tell. This oh, is just from an amateur they perspective have amazing of watching. Pitching. No, they're the best team. But the so, problem with this tournament is the best team almost never wins it. Yeah. It's the first time since uh, Virginia was the number one seed where the, the team is actually going to Omaha, the number mm-hmm. one overall seed. The SEC just has better players. We'll see. If Wake Forest can get this thing done, I would love to see it. But the recent, you know, the last 10 years of data shows us that an SEC team is probably going to win this thing. All right. To Samuel. Hey, Joe, as UNC does their 150th facelift of Keenan, is there a Keenan Center curse because Mac left after the first year and UNC football has either been atrocious or inconsistent maddening in a way that hurts more <laughs> than it did when UNC operated out of the Keenan Fieldhouse? God, I remember when they built the Keenan Center. You're right. Uh, it's not a curse, though. I mean, it's an interesting question, though. Yeah. By modernizing, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so is, is there is a, there's a field coming house? back? Remember the old field house in the end zone? It was gorgeous. It was like this weird Spanish It was like a veranda. 70s, yeah, it looked no, like a La Quinta. It really did. Yeah. And I loved the vibe of it. It was so, I loved the old <laughs> vibe of like, you were there at some sort of Spanish retreat, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so, under the pines, <laughs> Under the pines. and also that's where i used to park all the time when i would go visit kelly but the uh because it was a really easy visitor spot to uh to find a spot there regardless uh, wait when were they atrocious i mean they had two bad years they've never really been atrocious yeah, inconsistent for sure maddening for sure yeah i but, don't i do not agree with but atrocious. you know what that's triangle football correct i've been saying <laughs> this for years triangle correct. football is maddening North Carolina and NC State, for as much as they try to differentiate differentiate each other, are pretty much the same kind of programs that hover around 500 historically. And while Carolina has won the division a couple of times and NC State hasn't, the end results are the same. When they get to the championship game, they've come up short. Um, Now, they've been close games, don't get me wrong, although this last time they got outclassed. But in that uh, that first go-round against Clemson, never forget the onside kick, right? Never forget the onside kick. But in the grand scheme of things, you think Carolina's maddening? State fans will tell you it's maddening too. Maybe the freeing thing is to be a Duke football fan where you'll just take, oh man, we made a ball? Hell yeah. Let's go. All right. To Jonathan, uh, this gets to your bracket luck, Joe. If State had Duke's NCAA tournament draw, would State be in the college world No, series? because State doesn't have their pitching. They don't have Virginia's either. Yeah. I just think it's helpful to, to avoid the best teams. I, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I do. I mean, it certainly works in your <laughs> favor just, to avoid the best you, teams. Again, uh, things I learned during the NCAA tournament for men's basketball, you still have to take advantage of the opportunities you have. Yeah. Like, I'm not pointing it out like, oh, my God, if, if only State or Carolina. I mean, Carolina got to go to Indiana State. Come mm-hmm. on. Uh, and they couldn't beat them. But I think for the most part, if you look at this tournament, and it, it is the it is the dumbest format in all of sports. Okay? It is the single dumbest format in all of sports. <laughs> again, <laughs> NC State beat Campbell once Campbell beat NC state once yet Campbell's win over NC state counts more than NC state's win over Campbell. Please, please explain it to me because you can't. So the format is the dumbest thing in the history of the world. Avoiding the best teams is, is going to help you, but it only takes you so far. You still have to have talent. No, I'm with I mean, you. Duke and Virginia are talented teams. I'm not saying they're not. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, yeah, I would rather play each other than Arkansas, than LSU, than Florida, than South Carolina, than any of the teams, maybe except Alabama with no coach in the SEC. 
All right, we'll get out of here on this one uh, from KP95. How do we feel about college guys throwing 120-plus pitches? Seen it quite a few times in the last two weeks. Yeah, you, you, it's a Faustian deal that you make by going to college. Uh, and, and it's kind of like preseason football. At some point, you if you're going to do it, you got to do it. And part of... I also think pitches and arm... Pitch counts and arm strength, it's all relative. Yeah. You know, as we know, Nolan Ryan can throw forever. We've seen the Japanese model where they throw a bazillion pitches. It doesn't affect them. Part of it is what is your workload? What are you used to doing? I don't like overextending, but I don't think 120 is overextending. Well, let's get to wrap it up for this edition of Ovia's Angelio from the space. Pretty nice. I'd, I'd say it was a successful first run. I have to get used to a new workflow. I got used to the old workflow working from home over the last mm-hmm. month. Now I just have to get into the new workflow. But I think we'll make it. Work. I have faith in you. I also have to teach you how to hold, put the mic correctly. You have to, you have to put it like you have to talk. It's a, it's called a front end mic. So you, it, it only picks up here, here, that there. Oh God, you sound so much better here. Perfect. I love it. Anyway, we will see you all on Wednesday conversations with Don Waddell, president general manager of the Carolina hurricanes. And also speaking of hockey, high school hockey was a thing this spring. We'll get into how that started and where it's going to go from here on Wednesday, Wednesday's edition of Ovias and Gilio. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.